0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, April 21st, and we are continuing on with our positional ranking series. We'll be talking about edge players and linebacker rankings with our pal Josh Edwards. Also in the feed, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, offensive linemen, defensive tackles. Oh, my. Rankings across the board. We have so many rankings for you. Make sure and check those out. We will have defensive back prospects rankings coming up. Um, you know, we usually talk to, uh, our pal Bryant McFadden, who's a former NFL defensive back, but he's been really busy because he has to do his own podcast, which you should check out. Uh, this time he talks to, uh, former Washington football team quarterback, not RG3, but the guy who was drafted the same year as him, 101st overall. Kirk Cousins. That's right. On this week's episode of the All Things Covered podcast, you can hear from the guy that replaced the Heisman winner. Cousins the latest guest as Patrick Peterson connects with his new Vikings teammate on how to handle the Minnesota winners, the origins of you like that, and Cousins' memorable journey through the NFL. Follow All Things Covered wherever you find this podcast. Josh Edwards, talking edge and linebacker rankings. What's up, buddy? How you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well, man. We're a little over a week away from the start of the draft. I think uh, everybody has...
0: You guys are uh, losing it. All you draft guys are kind of losing it. This is funny. You're like, all right, all right you know what? Sar- sar- is it circadian rhythms? Do those count? Because like normally, my, see, my wife's birthday is this Friday. Normally, draft weekend is her birthday weekend. She hates the draft. Um, but now you know, no draft on a birthday. It's a week later. It's driving me crazy. It's throwing me off in terms of my timing.
1: Yeah. It's almost like Punk uh, Punxsutawney Phil came out and he's like, Hey, we're going to have two <laughs> more weeks of the draft this year. Um, That's kind of how it's felt. I mean, it it's dragged on at this point in time. I think uh, everybody's just kind of ready to get going and here in a week, we'll we'll actually be able to do that.
0: Mm, I agree. Let's, let's get going. So this time next week, we will be like 24 hours out from the draft, which is kind of exciting. That's when the rumors and the the buzz are going to be going nuts. Hopefully we'll have – well, I, I know I'll have plenty of prop bets in because I already have plenty of prop bets in. Um, one of them may involve defensive. One of them definitely involves a linebacker bet that I just placed, which we'll discuss. I don't think I have any edge bets, but I do want to hear about your top five edge players. But first I want to ask you, else, like if you were grading this class as a whole, this edge class, uh, what grade would you give it?
1: I'd give it like a B minus. Mm, that uh,
0: seems generous.
1: Like a, Yeah, like, you know, just kind of an incomplete grade because all of these guys do have different question marks. Um, you know, we could look back in five years and say, man, this class was abysmal. Uh, we could also look back in five years and say, hey, there's, you know, a couple of all pros to come out of that list. So, uh, you know, there's some guys that have some, some promising traits, but uh, if they were completely polished, we'd be talking about them in the top ten.
0: Yep, Uh, no edge players expected to go in the top 10. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see any – well, I bet we see potentially just one defensive player in the top 10, if, assuming the Cowboys stay where they are. And and Lord knows they could take an offensive lineman because they're sort of uh, losing out there. Very good chance we don't see an edge player taken until the second half of the draft. We'll start at the bottom of your list. And these guys are all kind of clumped together. Gregory Rousseau out of Miami, your number five edge rusher.
1: Yeah, so it actually ends up being flipped from where uh, we started this process because, you know, he was considered a top 10 prospect um, shortly after the draft last year. Uh, a guy with incredible length, uh, he decided to opt out of this past season. Um, in 2019, most of his production, uh, in, in terms of sacks, came over interior offensive linemen. Um, so you would be expected to be quicker than the interior offensive linemen. So a lot of people wanted to see – How he had developed over the course of a year, um, and see how it translated to the field, but we didn't get to see that. So, uh, there's just a little bit more questions when it comes to Gregory Rousseau. Um, he has been training with Chuck Smith out of Atlanta, who, uh, has been, you know, really good working with edge rushers and, and using their hands. Um, so I'm curious to see how he, he takes that to the field. Uh, but his pro day, he did some good things. Uh, the 40 yard dash was, was pretty good overall. The 10-yard split was good. Uh, the agility drills were a little concerning. It was a little slower than maybe what was anticipated. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I was told he put on like 20 pounds from where he was listed last year. So you can kind of understand, um, you know, where it's coming from, but it's sh- it just adds to the pile of question marks. So uh, he could end up being the best edge rusher in this class. I just don't feel comfortable projecting him there at this point.
0: Yeah, a lot of questions surrounding him. He is a Miami teammate who also has questions as well. We'll talk about him in a second. But first, Aziz Ojalari out of Georgia, your number four edge player.
1: Yeah, he is a very active player. He can play standing up. He can play hand in the dirt. Um, he can drop into coverage. He can rush the passer. I'd like to see him work on his pass rushing diversity a little bit more, um, add a little, a few more moves to his arsenal. Um, but a really talented player. His younger brother, BJ is a really talented player at LSU as well. I think he's probably a name to know for, you know, a year or two down the road. Um, but Aziz is a guy that can go mid to late first round. Uh, we're talking about the Cardinals, the Colts, the Titans as teams of potential interest. Um, and you know, Rousseau late round one, early round two is kind of where we're looking for him. Uh, consider the Browns, the Ravens, a team that, you know, values length and looks for that in that position. Uh, the Buccaneers and the Jets as, as possible destinations uh, for Gregory Russo in the bottom half of the first round or early uh, into round two. But yeah, those two guys, um, again, lots of skills, uh, very talented players, but you just, you just have a little, a few concerns.
0: Is Ojalary a guy that needs to be scheme specific or, I mean, like you know, like, in other words, is he sort of a outside linebacker in a three, four defense? I mean, can he, you know how would he fit with a team that has a 4-3 defense or is he really more specified to that
1: 3-4? Yeah, I think he's got some versatility. Um yeah. I think he could possibly play hand in the dirt at the next level um as a 4-3 defensive end, but um a guy that is going to offer versatility because uh, as we'll talk about uh with the defensive backs, the more that you can do, the more value you have for a team. So, um Ojalari is a guy that You know, can potentially drop back into coverage and provide the quarterback with some different looks, uh, as opposed to just being a one trick pony.
0: And Ojolari, too, like still kind of raw as a pass rusher. I mean, like he's obviously a ton of upside, um, because we're talking about him in in this vein. Do you think I see Pete has, Pete Briscoe has him going 21st overall in his latest mock draft to the Colts and noting that he seems to fit what the Colts like in their edge players. Agree or disagree?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think you're, you're kind of looking in that Justin Houston mold. Um, a guy who I believe is still unsigned, uh, but yeah, has, yes. has, has been productive with Indianapolis over the past couple of seasons, you know, um, kind of dipping into that fountain of youth and giving them a little bit of pass rush, uh, assistance off the edge. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what you're thinking with Aziz Ojalari, a guy that, um, is, is obviously going to give you some youthful infusion into your, your, uh, defense um but he can do everything i mean like i said he can drop into coverage He can rush the passer so uh the versatility you know would be would be great in matt eberflus <laughs> eberflus's system
0: all right so we mentioned ojalari as an edge player however worth noting and i'm sure Debo has this prepped you if you want to battle ojalari at william hill you can do so but he is listed as a linebacker so in other words you would not uh, You would not be wagering on him as an edge rusher or a defensive lineman. It would be as a linebacker. We'll talk about that more in just a little bit when we talk about the linebacker. Sorry, Dima, I didn't mean to throw you under the proverbial bus. Number three, Joe Tryon out of Washington. Yeah, this is uh, an interesting player because he's kind of
1: polarizing in the draft circles. Um, I'm in the group that likes him a little bit more. Uh, whereas, you know, there's some others that think he might still be available as you get into day three, or I mean into, into round three, rather. Um, I think he's got a high floor. I think he's also got a high ceiling. Uh, he's got a tremendous motor, fast hands. Uh, I think he could use them, you know, a little bit more efficiently uh, to to really polish his pass rushing skill set. Um, and I think that's where he has the most room for growth. Uh, if he's able to lock in and, and get that corrected, you're talking about a guy that, you know, has tremendous potential and is going to be a, a key difference maker in the NFL for whichever team drafts him. So uh, I'm thinking late round one, early round two for Joe Tryon. Uh, I look at the Browns, the Chiefs, the Jets um, as some teams that, you know, could possibly use his services.
0: It, the, the guys who are we're mentioning as these edge rushers. It's really, I think it's really gonna be fascinating and, and you can see first guy off the board, first defensive lineman off the board. I mean, if you're, if you're splashing down on, on this bet, Joe's trying 50 to one. That seems pretty unlikely to, to happen, but you know, I'm not paying a buck 80 for Quiddy pay. Uh, I would consider Jalen Phillips uh, at two to one. I actually do have a bet on Christian Barmore at eight to one or seven and a half to one. Maybe I don't know if I even really love it because I I just, I guess my point is Josh, I don't know what is going to happen once we get past really 12 or 13. I think the Chargers are probably taking an offensive lineman, but anything is, is fair game there. They could certainly go with a, uh, with a cornerback. I I think Minnesota, they're taking cornerbacks in the first round all the time. They need edge help. They could use quarterback help after Kirk Cousins has gone. The Patriots are a wild card and could trade down. It just feels like it's, it is a very unpredictable second half of the first round. And, I mean, isn't it possible that that these teams are all over the place in terms of how they have these defensive linemen on their board? Yeah,
1: no question. This is a year where teams have these guys ranked in a completely different order. I mean, you may talk to one team that has – the fourth or fifth guy is their top, their top edge rusher. Whereas you talk to another team that, you know, has their fourth or fifth ru- edge rusher is somebody else's number one edge rusher. So it's just, it's a very, um, I don't want to say toxic, but it's a very polarizing year for the position because there's no consensus. I mean, everybody loves what Jalen Phillips brings to the table. Uh, But we'll talk about, you know, what kind of makes him a little bit of a question mark as well. So every one of these guys, like I said, has, has their own question marks, um, the teams are going to have to dive into and that's going to ultimately determine how comfortable these teams are, are to taking them at which spots in the first round.
0: Yes, it will. Number two, we mentioned Jalen Phillips and Queenie Pay. We can just leave that graphic up there while we talk about them. Uh, Quidi Pay is your number one edge guy and, and Jalen Phillips, the other guy to Miami, your number two. Phillips seems to be, I think if I were betting on this right now, like I said, I have Barmore, but I'm a little worried about that just because edge edge is so much edge players are much more valued in the NFL draft than you see interior defensive linemen. So I would probably go with Jalen Phillips. If I was dabbling in this, in this particular market right now, just because he seems the most likely out of that group to really leapfrog quiddy pay. Does that seem fair?
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's fair. I think that's uh, probably a good direction to take. Um, I'm, probably not as high on Christian Barmore as some others in the league. I think he's a really gifted player and a possible first round pick, but um, there is some buzz that he could possibly go in the top 20. Um, and I don't know if, you know, I would be willing to take him there at that point. You're kind of banking on uh, seeing more consistency at the position and some of the upside that we've seen um, specifically in the playoffs from this past year. Um, Jalen Phillips. I mean, another long Miami edge rusher. Those, those Hurricanes were able to kind of rotate the edge rushers um, this year with Quincy Roche on the other side as well. But uh, Jalen Phillips is a former number one overall high school recruit, uh, committed to UCLA, actually retired from the game for a little bit uh, for medical reasons and decided to transfer to Miami. Um, so that's the biggest question mark surrounding him. You kind of have to dive into, you know, whether that was a flash in the pan, um, if what we saw this past year is kind of who he's going to be and maybe even continue to develop. I mean, you might even be able to bring more out of him, but um, I think that's what a lot of these teams are trying to decipher at this point is, you know, whether or not they're comfortable taking him with, you know, a premier top half of the first round pick uh, at the end of the day, I think he probably is a mid to late first round pick. Um, and I look at the Vikings, like you mentioned there at number 14, uh, the Raiders who, you know, love traits uh, and the Colts as possible fits for, for Jalen Phillips.
0: All right. You know what? I think I'm going to revise my take on this one. I'm a little worried. I mean, look, I'm not questioning his dedication to football. I am, however, questioning if a guy took a year off of college football, who is a, you know, premier recruit, premier prospect, you know, premier draft, you know, premier draft prospect and a guy who was productive at at multi, like he, he retired for a year because of concussions. How is an NFL team going to draft this guy in the first round?
1: It's tough, but that's where the conversations that they're able to have with him come into play. Um, I think they're allowed to do five Zoom calls this year with each of these prospects that lasts about an hour. Um, so, you know, more than we've seen in years prior, the scouts that have sources inside the building and, you know, do the detective work to kind of dive into his past and talk about his, uh, you know, with his childhood friends and his teachers and, you know, all of his coaches and, just trying to get to the bottom of who he is as a person and as a player, Um, you know. And then as they have these personal conversations with him over Zoom as well, you kind of, you know, uh, come well, to your I, own. I, I, I
0: may I may have even phrased that. Not to interrupt you, but I, I wasn't questioning his personal ability, like his personal love of the game. I'm not questioning that at all. I'm questioning if he gets two concussions his rookie year, is he going to play beyond 2021? I, that's that would be a Major concern for me and a major, major concern for his health, of course. But if you're, you're using, you're talking about a top 20 pick. Now the upside is, of course, there, but that is a, that is a pretty substantial risk for a, a first round pick.
1: It is. And we're having a similar conversation, um, albeit a different injury with, uh, Virginia Tech cornerback, Caleb Farley. Um, you know, that has to be taken into consideration, like you said. So, uh, it's a weird year in the sense that, you know, teams would love to, to get their hands on some of these guys and uh, be able to go over them medically and, you know, kind of determine their own prognosis to report to the head coach, the GM. But, uh, you know, we're having to do things a little bit differently this year.
0: Yeah. Certainly medical is harder to come by. That is a storyline I think to watch in the next week. And I, I don't, I don't want Jalen Phillips to slip. I hope he goes in the top 10. Well, actually, I take that back. I think it's top fifteen because top ten will be expensive for me. But I want him to go top ten because I, you know, I want him to get. I want top fifteen because I want him to get some money. But man, it will be interesting to see if an NFL team is you because you if you, you draft Jalen Phillips in the first round, you're going to have to you're going to be asked questions immediately after the 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 draft about your comfort level with his medical his medicals and what what will happen if he suffers concussions his rookie year. So. I'm not saying he's going to drop. You know, I think there are plenty of smart talent evaluators and plenty of smart people around the league. You know, plenty of smart people who talk to people around the league that have him high up in their drafts and their mock drafts. But I think that is that as at least a, a bit of a red flag on draft night for me. If I'm looking at props, to, you know, talking about where he would, uh, where he would go, et cetera. Uh, your number one guy, Queenie pay. who has a great name, fun name.
1: It, it just, it just kind of rolls off the tongue. Um, does, strong, absolutely. strong player. Uh, knows how to turn it up when the game, you know, when his team needs him the most. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of his stance pre-snap. It's, it's kind of weird to me. He's almost flat to the ground. Um, which is great if you want to establish leverage and, uh, you know, be more effective in the run game, but he, he kind of lengthens his stride a little bit and makes it a little slower for him to get out of his break. Um, or at least get off the blocks. So, um, you know, he, you can potentially quicken his get-off there at the next level, and that's an area where he can improve. Um, I look at the Giants, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Raiders, um, some of the teams that could possibly in the, be in the mix there for him and the teens. Um, I think that's probably where he's most likely to go because as we've worked our way through this list, I mean, you kind of see some of the question marks that have unfolded with a lot of these players, and Pay is probably one of the more clean prospects at the position. So, you know, when you're talking about, Teams possibly being more risk averse this year. Uh Pay is one that checks that box.
0: All right. Hmm. I gotta tell you, I'm not feeling a lot of edge rushers going early on. The one guy you didn't mention there, by the way, Jason Oa. Owe? How do I not get this guy's name right? It's very easy. Is it Owe or Oa? Owe. Owe. Come on, Princeton. Get it together. All right. So Jason Owe, you have I, I assume he's either six or seven on your on your uh your edge rankings.
1: Yeah, he would be six. He okay. would be six. Um, you know, he's he's got tremendous potential. I mean, we all saw what he did at his Penn State Pro Day, tested off the charts. Um, his sack production was just simply not there. I mean, he had zero sacks this past year. Um, you know, and a lot of that is finishing capability. Uh, he was getting into the backfield. You just got to be able to finish those plays. So, um, you know, as you're looking through this class, trying to figure out who has the skill set that maybe you can polish a little bit, and turn into an all-pro player. Jason Oway is one that kind of jumps off the page as potentially being, you know, a, a high reward kind of player. Uh we've heard comparisons to Deniel Hunter, who has been very productive yeah. in with with the Vikings, but um Daniil Hunter was also a third round pick. So you kind of have to be aware of the investment. But with Owe, it's it's simply those traits that are gonna have teams very interested in the back half of the first round.
0: Okay. And also I'd point out that if you want to make the Daniil Hunter comp, that's fine. Owe is 22 years old right now. Daniil Hunter was 19 years old when he got drafted. I mean, that's a, that's right. a huge difference. You know, that's, that is three years to develop into a pass rusher for Daniil Hunter at the professional level with great coaching in terms of the Vikings versus Jason Owe, who, you know, would be 25 at the end of that developmental period and, and working on a new contract. So right. yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he won't go in the first round or not saying he won't be good, but cer- certainly, you know, The technique, the skill set, the ability to get off the edge, you know, you want, you want to see that early on. And if you don't, that could be something that pushes him down the board. All right. Is there a cash making opportunity on a long shot linebacker to be the first linebacker taken off the board? We might have one. We might have one hooked. We will tell you coming up after the break.
1: Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal,
0: and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay. So we'll get to the the bet here in a second. But first, got to get the back end of the linebacker group nick bolton of missouri your number five linebacker in terms of your rankings josh
1: yeah a little bit undersized but really athletic he flows sideline to sideline high volume tackler Um, missouri didn't ask him to do a lot in their scheme and i think that's kind of the concern with him is as he makes the transition to the nfl um i think he's an option for pretty much any team in in round two um that does not get their guy in round one so you know, we'll talk about the teams that are in the mix for the position in, in the first round. Uh, but I think Nick Bolton is, is kind of a good, um, you know, a, a good piece to get on day two. If you decide to go a different route and target different positions on day one.
0: Okay. Uh, your number two. Sorry, Diva and I discovered a piece of crazy information that we'll get to in a second, but Zavin, excuse me. Zaven Collins, your number four linebacker out of Tulsa.
1: Yeah, he's got great size. Um, he's a little bit more of a traditional linebacker in the sense that, you know, he's going to be able to, f- he's going to be able to fit run gaps. Um, he's not as good in coverage as some of these other guys that uh, we'll discuss shortly, but um, you know, again, just a really athletic player. He's strong. Uh, he's going to be able to, to uh, to fit a need for some of these teams in the back half of the first round, which is kind of where I project them late round one, early round two, uh look at the Bills, the Packers and and possibly the Jets early in round two as possible fits for Javen Collins. Okay. And
0: Collins. Collins, yeah. No, you're Josh, you're allowed to make a, <laughs> a a tiny, tiny slip up in terms of your uh in terms of your pronunciation, especially yeah. on this on this show, nobody's gonna notice if you say Javen Collins instead of Zaven Collins when I'm out here mangling every fifth name. Um with these linebackers are any, are these guys in your top five and we're talking traditional linebackers, right? Cause I, I think we've gotten fairly good at being able to put, you know, take, open up the edge bucket and we're going to put the edge guys in the edge bucket. You know, off ball linebackers stay over here. I wish the NFL would do this with franchise tags. Um, and then defensive linemen stay over here, but sometimes it, it, you, know, you get a little. There's a bit of gray area, some Venn diagram action going on there, right? I mean, it's not all cut and dry. Are there any, you know, are these, are some of these linebackers better pass rushers, et cetera? Does anybody stand out to you in that regard?
1: Uh The number one on this list, Micah Parsons is probably okay. the most skilled pass rusher of the group. And then um uh, the guy number two on the list, Jeremiah wusu is going to be the best in coverage. Uh, and then number three kind of has the, the best all around okay. view of, uh, of the position. So uh, number three right there on the screen is Kentucky's Jamin Davis, uh, a guy that has gotten a lot of attention as we've gone through this process. I mean, when he first um decided to enter this draft class, I was thinking he was probably like a fifth-round pick before I was able to get back around and, um, you know, watch how he developed over the course of the season. Um, And there were some people who had similar thoughts at the time. But as you work later into his season, you start seeing games against Florida – um you know, in Georgia, some of these other teams in the SEC, and you start seeing some of the development. I mean, this is a first-year starter. Uh, he's going to be 22 at, at the start of the draft. So, um, you know, a guy that is still just coming into his own. He's got a lot of football left to learn, but capable of flying sideline to sideline and making plays. Um, he's he's progressed on his ability to get off blocks. Uh, he's fantastic in coverage. I mean, he's probably the only guy that uh, was able to cover Kyle Pitts at the linebacker from the linebacker position this, this past year. Um, so really talented player. He loves the game of football. Uh, I think I've told it on this store on this uh, podcast in the past, but, um, a guy that missed only one meeting during his time at Kentucky. And that's because he got the wrong time. Um, he, he missed the text that said that the, the meeting time had changed.
0: Oh um, yeah. That's how you did tell that story out here.
1: Yeah. And then uh, another story he, uh, so Kentucky had their pro day, obviously his family was scheduled to come into town and visit him. And um, he said, that's great, but you know, come after pro day because I want all of the focus to be on going out there and competing the best that I can. Um, you know, I don't want the additional stress of having to host and um, all that comes with it right now. So uh, a guy that's very focused on his future, uh, very coachable um, and still has a lot to learn at the position. I think he's only going to continue to get better.
0: Alright, so we're gonna, we're gonna talk a bit for just a second about this while I try and look up some odds as well, because we have here, you can see up here from William Hill, if you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six, and you can see us as we go through the odds, uh, Jamin, uh, Jamin Davis is a, J- I can't pronounce anybody's name, Jamin Davis, Jamin Davis is, uh, 10 to 1 to be the first linebacker taken. I am trying like heck to find a, uh, the, the, another place where he is listed on, um, I, I think I might have it on DraftKings because on my local site, he is 65 to one. He is also 10 to one on DraftKings. There's nothing, I can't find anything else, but we know he's 10 to one on William Hill, 10 to one on DraftKings. So if you have a local site or it, it, wherever you bet legally or Locally or wherever else you do it, if you're listening to this podcast, go look for Davis first linebacker drafted and see what he is because 65 to one. Now I got to put two pizza money on it. I got to put th- maybe three pizza money, Josh. I, do you think there's a chance that this guy is the first one drafted? Cause when I look at Pete Prisco's mock draft, he has, um, of these guys who are up here, he has Micah Parsons going nine. I know that Pete feels, and I, I don't know that he's written this, but I, I know this is how he feels, that it's possible Parsons could slip. His next linebacker is Zavin Collins, who he has going to the Cardinals at 16, and then he has uh Davis going to the Washington football team at 19, at 65-1. to 1, I, I got to hammer this, Josh. I, I, I What am I missing here?
1: I mean, we discussed it. I think it's good value. Um,
0: I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, just that 65 to one is
1: again, great value. I mean, you're, you're taking, uh, taking out a lottery ticket on a potentially big win. Um, you know, Jamin Davis, I know there's some teams that value him as their second best run or second best linebacker in this class. Uh, obviously don't talk to all 32 teams, but, uh, there may be teams that have him rated higher. I don't know. Uh, but as we continue to try to parse through, you know, what's going on with Micah Parsons, uh, because like Pete, I, you know, have heard a little bit that he might fall down the board, um, even into the 20s. I, I don't think it's likely, but I think it's certainly possible. Uh, so if you're looking for a flyer to take, you know, during draft weekend, uh, that's not a bad value because Jeremiah Wusu is a little bit more specialized. Uh, he's not going to fit everybody in the sense that, you know, again, he's he's better suited in coverage. Um, you know, so if you're looking for a more traditional linebacker, which is not as common as it was, you know, three years ago, five years ago. But if you're looking more for a traditional lineman, then, you know, Jamin Davis and uh, Zaven Collins are probably more up your alley. Uh, but as we get to Jeremiah wusu like I said, oh, I
0: was just no, go sorry. ahead. Well, I was going to point out that uh, I was texting with Pete Prisco about it too. Two more things just about Davis and why I would take that bet. I'm not taking it at 10 to one. Don't get me wrong. But at 65 to one. I'm definitely getting involved in it. Um, I, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who I respect as an analyst for NFL media has had him in his April 6th mock, the last one going 26 to the Browns and noted, I've been, he's quote, I've been president of the Davis fan club for a while now, but to say he destroyed his pro day would be an understatement. It matches what I saw on tape and he fills a need for Cleveland. I would, I would guess just to guess that DJ moves him a little bit higher in his next mock draft. If, 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 you know, if you, like you've got him ranked as your third linebacker, Pete Prisco is hearing good things about him moving up to 19. And if I'm not saying he's going to go in the top 10 or anything crazy like that, but it does feel like this is a guy whose draft stock is rising as we get closer to the draft. And I think when you look at the teams involved up there, Pete just called him a Anthony Barr clone, which I thought was really interesting. Um, you know, I'm not saying Philly is taking him at 12. Chargers, it wouldn't be crazy for the Chargers to take another linebacker at thirteen. That's really the weak spot of their defense. I think they'll go offensive line, but the Vikings at fourteen. I mean, they have Anthony Barr. Patriots at fifteen are always involved in a possible, you know, defensive wild card. The Cardinals have taken these versatile linebacker types before. The Raiders need defensive help. Uh, Dolphins, Washington, uh, Chicago probably no, and and the Colts have Darius Leonard. My point being is that there are once you get to twelve. There are a te- there are a lot of teams that could just surprise you, I think, in this draft with what direction they go on defense. And that makes a guy at 65 to one who's being buzzed about as we lead up to this process a pretty good value. Anywho, on to now, your number. No, go before, ahead, sir.
1: Before go we ahead. move on, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that pro day because, um, the Cowboys did have Mike McCarthy and they did have, uh, Dan Quinn in attendance. Um, obviously two very important, uh, pieces to that Cowboys decision making process. I don't think he's a fit at number 10, but possibly in a trade down scenario. Uh, if they were to move back, maybe he's, you know, an option at that point. Uh, cause he's not going to be there for their pick in the second round. So
0: uh, that, um, that's a, that's a great call because remember, this is a team that has Sean Lee, who's gone now, you know, uh, Jalen Smith, a sign of that extension. I'm not sure they feel great about it. And then late Vander Esch, who's been dealt with major neck injuries. That's a team that's willing to invest in that position early on in the draft and they they think it matters for their defense. So I, I don't think that's crazy at all.
1: Yeah, and I think Washington is a really intriguing fit as well because you have added to that secondary this offseason. Uh, you already had one of the best defensive lines in football. Um, so to add a guy like Jamin Davis there um, at 19, I think, you know, it could be a really, really interesting fit. So um, I initially said the Giants, the Titans, the Saints, and the Browns uh, were teams that could possibly be interested in the back half of the first round. Uh, but I think it's probably trending in the direction where he's, he's going to go higher than what maybe people think. Um, you know, so I'm looking at possibly, possibly Washington, uh, that could take him off the board
0: and Washington at 19. There ain't no guarantee that Michael, I, I, Michael Parsons could fall past that. Yeah. Owusu could fall past that. Ojalari could fall past that. Zayvon Collins could fall past that at 60. I'm not saying you take it at 10 to 1. I don't hate it at 10 to 1. But a sixty-five to one, you better believe I'm taking it. I mean, that's we're looking at basically. Look at these odds on the screen, like Baron Browning, who you better believe I haven't heard of, is you know, like it's like he's going to be the first linebacker coming off the board. So, um, check around your books and see if you got it. I just bought another pizzas worth of Jameen Davis on uh, as the first linebacker off the board. I you, I will buy his jersey if he if he's the first guy taken. All right, uh, <laughs> Owusu Koromoa. Out of Notre Dame, your number two linebacker.
1: Yeah, just to go over it quickly again, uh, great in coverage. Um, you know, he's a little bit undersized, so may not be a fit for everybody if you're looking strictly for uh, run fits and stuff like that. But um, if you're looking for a guy that can be a complimentary piece, occasionally as a pass rusher, uh, he certainly brings that to the table. But coverage is his sweet spot. I mean, that's, that's what he does well. Um, and as we look at these teams in the NFL – uh, versatility is everything. Um, you know, so it, it's good to have, especially as you're looking at, um, you know, like the Vic Fangio style where, uh, you're looking to use a big nickel and, um, you know, some guys like that, the, the Rams have done the, ch- the Chargers will probably do this coming year. The Browns do it. Um, you know, there's a number of teams that are kind of employing that kind of a scheme, uh, where you have to think that Jeremiah Wusukormoa is, um, a, a very intriguing fit in the first round because, um, among that type of skill set and that position group, he is—he's kind of a unicorn in the way that he plays it. I mean, he is so fast and physical and aggressive, um, everything that you look for at the position. So teams are going to fall in love with him, and he's going to fill a very specialized need uh, for a team that that is going to utilize that skill set.
0: All right, and finally, of course, your number one linebacker, minus four twenty-five, to be the first. This is this guy is probably going to rip my my Davis future apart. Um, just because of how much better he's considered than all other linebackers on the board. Again, minus 425 is a crazy number for a single position in a draft like this. I mean, Jamar Chase is minus 700 at this point to be the first wide receiver. And I, I don't know. I just don't ever feel good about – the only one I'd feel good about doing that with the only position in, in on this entire draft – that I feel good about laying the lumber on a massive number in terms of the heavy favorite, it ain't even Panay Sewell. It's Trevor Lawrence. That's the only guy I would consider doing it for. I wouldn't even do it for Zach Wilson second overall. I, I, there's only one, I know Wilson's going second, but the Lawrence is the only guy. what's that? Do you think Fields second? Is that what you're saying? No, Kyle Pitts. Oh, Kyle Pitts first tight end. Yeah. That might be a bigger number than Lawrence. Honestly, (laughs) probably. Yeah. Cause I think there's, I haven't even seen that up. I, I didn't even consider that. I don't think, well, I don't that's think they, probably why. <laughs> I don't think they have it on the board. Like uh, Debo, I don't want to make you search around, but if you see, uh, I'll look, I'll look on there. There's, yeah, there's a uh, first, no, all right. How about this? Kyle Pitts is minus 121 to be the first non quarterback selected. Well, I actually kind of like that. That's not terrible
1: goes back to the conversation we had uh before the podcast it just kind of depends what Atlanta does Atlanta is Atlanta is holding the ticket for a lot of people in their betting futures during yes, the draft because uh you know that's a possible quarterback destination whether it's them or a trade up situation uh otherwise you're looking at probably Kyle Pitts uh but a trade would would you know send a massive,
0: massive shockwaves,
1: massive shockwaves shock throughout the draft and really affect some of these other tickets. So, and,
0: um, and if it's, if they trade on the clock, you can't, you know, like if they, if they make the trade on Thursday morning, you can, you know, you can fly onto your book and, and, and get out of some of the action you got by taking some plus money the other way and, and hedge out a little bit. If Atlanta trades on the clock, Good. that's going to be an expensive evening for your, if it's Mac Jones three into an Atlanta trade out with somebody for a quarterback, I am, I'm, I'm hopping in my car and driving to California or just the airport and flying to Costa Rica. That's how expensive it's going to be. Um, anywho, Micah Parsons, number one, number one linebacker on your board. Why, do, why do we like him? Just
1: his athleticism. Um, you know, he's, he's, fairly polished at the position. I think he offers you a little bit of edge rush potential as well. Um, but a guy that literally covers every blade of grass. I mean, he flies around the football field um, capable of dropping into coverage. Uh, his performance at his pro day was off the charts, which as we've discussed in the past is not uncommon for those Penn state athletes. Um, but I mean, he checks all the boxes, obviously some of the off field concerns is, you know, what could, you know, precipitate his fall. Um, but that's really the only thing. So Uh, as you're looking for possible fits in the first round, I think the Patriots, the Raiders, the Dolphins, um, possibly even the Giants and the Eagles, they're in the top 12. Although Eagles fans will be quick to tell you they're not going to take a linebacker that early. Um, and I understand where they're coming from, but it is a position of need. Uh, so I mean, he's got a, he's got a very wide range of, of options. I mean, those are teams in the teens. And then if he truly does make it into the twenties, you've got a whole new list of teams.
0: Yeah, it is. It will be interesting to see how Parsons goes. Everybody sort of pencils him at nine to Denver. And I, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, Denver loves their defensive players. George Patton has, you know, been, been a part of a, a Minnesota front office that's drafted a lot of defensive players. But I think it might be folly to just assume he's going to go in the top 10. If, if I were, if I were betting on Parsons, if I were betting, first of all, obviously I'm taking that, that Davis 65 to one bet. I, 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 but if I'm betting on something related, Parsons related, I'm taking this over, and it was 10 and a half. It's moved to 11 and, a half and now 12 and a half in certain spots. So that's what I would be looking for in terms of the Parsons action. All right. That's the linebacker discussion. Josh, you're the best. As always, my friend, good to talk to you.